I'm not sure how many of you were out and about last night, but holy cow, did you see the sky? I did. I was out door dashing. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that uh, the smoke from the wildfires up in Quebec, Quebec, <laughs> Quebec, I've been watching too much Letter Kenny. The DGENs from upcountry sent their uh, uh, forest fire down here. Uh, I, I knew that there were wildfires up in uh, uh, Quebec. Um, and, you know, all the uh, all, all the scientists and the uh, weather forecasters were saying that uh, it was going to move its way south. And uh, we're going to see the smoke from that. But uh, I did not expect it to be that smoky. Um, to me, it, it, it looked and it smelled like there was a fire, uh, like a large building fire nearby. And uh, that's what I thought it was at first. I said to myself, okay, yeah, I know that the, the wildfires up in Canada are supposed to come this way. But I thought it was just going to be a little bit of, of haze up in the sky. This looked like it was right at ground level. And uh, I, I believe the Great Lakes states, uh, such as us, Illinois, Wisconsin, were expecting this. But a lot of it seemed to blow east. I mean, those those videos and those pictures from the Yankees game, uh, it looked like storm clouds were rolling in. So uh, just uh, – and, and, of course, the, uh, uh, the, the moon looked blood red. Uh, looked like uh, you know a sign of the apocalypse. The the uh, sunset was was very vibrant, and it, it has been vibrant because um, these wildfires all over Canada have been burning for a while. But wow! And oh, by the way, the uh, uh, the the forest fire up in Grayling, uh, the four thousand acre uh, forest fire that happened uh, over the weekend, which uh, looks like looks like a bunny hill compared to what's going on in in Canada. Uh, that fire has been 100% contained. So again, great job by the Michigan DNR, keeping that small and minimizing loss of property and uh, mitigating any loss of life or injury. Fantastic, fantastic job. All right, so I thought yesterday's headline of the PGA and Live merging um, was surprising to me because I don't follow golf. I thought, oh, okay, uh, people who follow golf probably saw this coming. It's probably been in the works for a while. It, 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 it was not. It was not only a surprise to, to the friends of mine that follow golf, it was a surprise to every single player on both tours. And uh, it, it, it kind of makes me wonder, does the Saudi government have something on uh, PGA head Jay Monahan? Because this is not only was the, did this come out of nowhere, it's a shocking 180. I mean, do you remember um, back when the Live, uh, which is a a super tour backed by the Saudi government for for some reason, I don't know why uh, a, a government of any country would want to start a golf league, but the fact remains the Saudi government did start this golf league. Um, they were poaching a bunch of stars from the PGA. Um, Phil Mickelson was one of the first big names to go over there off the top of my head. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, and, of course, uh, Brooks Kepka, who won the PGA championship uh, a couple weeks ago. And they were throwing crazy money at all these guys. It, it, it was kind of like back in the 90s when the WCW was poaching wrestlers from the WWF at the time, now the WWE. 
and uh, offering them more money for less wear and tear on their bodies. And uh, that, that's exactly what Liv was doing. I mean, uh, um, on the PGA Tour, you might miss a cut and, and make little to no money, but on the Liv Tour, um, people were guaranteed uh, more money than they've probably seen in their whole career um, if, they, if they won, let alone just played over there. So um, a, a, a lot of players went over to the Live Golf Tour. And, of course, the PGA fought it tooth and nail. Um, you know, it got ugly. The PGA said, if you leave, you can never come back. Um, Jay Monahan had uh, mouthpieces like uh, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy out there. Um, Rory was more vocal, uh, just denouncing this league and 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 throwing shade at the players that defected. And uh, now all of a sudden, <laughs> now all of a sudden they're they're in business together. And, and look, I back when the live started, I'm not a golf purist, so I said, hey. If uh, somebody is offering me more money than I've ever seen in my life, um, I'm going to go. I, I'm probably going to jump ship. I'm going to take the money because I only have so many years um, to, to make my fortune, and I'm going to do it. And these players were crucified for it. But uh, at the end of the day, Jay Monahan, head of the PGA, did exactly what he criticized all of his other players for doing. Took the money. And ran, and this is really weird because I I felt like even though, um, the Saudi government was backing the PGA Tour, and by the way, uh, this merger injects that uh, Saudi uh, Saudi government money into the PGA after Jay Monahan uh, denounced uh, their human rights atrocities and held up uh, nine elective nine eleven victims' families as, as pawns in his PR scheme against them um but i i thought it was only a matter of time before the live collapsed i really thought that the pga um only had to outweigh out, outweight them like the michael scott paper company which somebody online made that uh uh comparison and it's apt um you know they're pl- they were they were paying these players so much money Way too much money. They offered Tiger Woods himself one, well, between $700 million and a billion dollars to go over there. And, uh, of course, Tiger Woods was one of the players that the PGA um, enlisted to kind of run PR for them against the live. Uh, but, but the fact of the matter is they were paying all these players way too much, and they weren't getting... No cooperation from any TV networks. I think the CW had some kind of weird deal with them, but um, the individual stations and individual markets choose to uh, show the live events or not, and a lot of them opted out. And I said to myself, even though this is backed by a foreign government that's rich with oil, there's no way this can get sustained. There's no way this can be sustained. I give another year or two before the Saudis say, uh, forget about it and give up. And then out of nowhere, and I forgot who said this on ESPN, um, but the PGA throws the live a, uh, a lifeline. And now the PGA, the live, the European tour are, are all in cahoots. And there's been a lot of speculation 
about um, Brooks Kepka winning the PGA Championship, speeding this up. Um, and, and I don't know if uh, that theory is because the PGA was, was embarrassed that a live guy um, who left and came back to play in a, uh, in a major one. Maybe it was demonstration that the live was making headway in poaching some of their best players because um, there were uh, numerous top five finishes at the Masters. I don't have it in front of me, but the, the live players have been performing very well in the majors. And, and I wonder um, if, if that sped up the timeline because we really know nothing. And I think that um, things are going to get weird. Things are going to get salacious as this comes out because, uh, like I said, for the life of me, I have no idea why Jay Monahan did this huge about face. And, and, and I also wonder if uh, he's going to be petty if he is going to use this to punish the players that did defect and not let them back on the tour or give them big suspensions or, or, or something. I, I, this story obviously, obviously isn't over yet. Caddy from ESPN was on Get Up this morning, and he said, in the long run, this will probably be good for golf. This is essentially a, a super league. Um, there are things that people liked about live, like the, the team aspect of it. And so 5, 10, 20 years from now, this probably will end up being a, a net gain, a net positive for the game of golf and the PGA Tour. But right now, it's just very, very fishy. I, a couple pieces of, of uh, legislation in the state legislature um, are being bantied about this week. And I think both of them go a, a long way uh, to protecting uh, protecting children um, or uh, it, protecting uh, um, the LGBTQ community and victims of sexual assault. Um, so the, the first bill that's being bantied about um, is raising the statute of limitations um, to convict somebody of sexual assault from 28 years to 52 years. That's in front of a committee right now. And part of the push to raise the statute of limitations for uh, sexual assault has to do with Robert Anderson, the uh, former U University of Michigan um, uh, sports doctor, who I think it was 2021, there were a bunch of former um, uh, Michigan players who, who uh, played over the decades. This guy was there forever. I think he started in the 60s, and then he left in the early, mid-2000s. And uh, just story after story about this guy giving unnecessary prostate exams and doing other you know, sick-depraved um, sick, uh, things to student-athletes came to light. And obviously, Dr. Anderson was dead by the time these came out. So he, could, he himself couldn't face criminal charges. Um, just about everybody who was at the University of Michigan at the time had gone because he had been gone for nearly 20 years. So I don't know if the state, uh, if, if the University of Michigan, I'm sorry, um, you know, were, were open up to, to civil litigation against them. Um, but uh, I, I think what happened is people looked at this and said, hey, you know what? Um, 
these things happened a long time ago, and if this guy was still alive, he should face justice. And the fact that people stayed silent for too long uh, is not a reason for people to, to get away with sexual assault. Um, it was actually raised back in 2018 to 28 years. I don't know what it was uh, originally, but that was because of all the allegations against Dr. Larry Nasser. And, and I think what happens with a lot of these bills that get passed, prosecutors want to prosecute. If they find, if they go through the evidence and they find that an individual who's being accused is guilty, according to their evidence, and there's a loophole that says that they can't prosecute, that's very, that's very frustrating, not only for the prosecutor, but for the victims as well. Um, if you remember after the Oxford uh, High School shooting, um, Karen McDonald did a press conference. She voiced her frustration that, these par- uh, that, that the shooter's parents, the Crumbleys, were very irresponsible with storing of their weapon and that their son knew where the weapon was uh he could easily access it and she felt that the parents were also responsible problem was there were no laws on the books that uh allowed her to prosecute the parents harshly uh because there is no safe storage law at the time and soon after that the democrats that state legislature um was elected you also had Democrats in the top three positions, governor, attorney general, and secretary of state, and they passed those red flag laws. And uh, 52 years, uh, you know what I say? Get rid of the statute of limitations. Uh, There should be no statute of limitations. If uh, somebody was abused 60 years ago and their abuser is still alive, um, bring that person to trial because... uh, I'm I'm blessed. I've I've never been victimized like that, but I understand that uh, when 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 something that violating happens to a person, um, it takes them a very very long time to admit to even themselves that something happened, and then you you know there there's so many things that they're afraid of when it comes forward to pressing charges and trying to bring their person to justice. Essentially, they go on trial. Uh, because it's it's innocent until proven guilty. If it's something public like Larry Nasser or or Robert Anderson, um, you might get shamed by either the uh, the the assailants, the molesters, the uh, offenders, uh, attorneys, or the institution in which they worked and and were protected by. So it I I would imagine it it takes a lot a lot for a victim of sexual abuse to come forward. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of, uh, I'm I'm sure it takes a lot of self-convincing and a lot of time to happen. So 52 years, I I think that that essentially gets rid of the statute of limitations, but I can just see, you know, one creep uh, uh, falling through the cracks because um, their accuser presses charges uh, 53 years and one day after uh, after the uh, alleged assault happened. And uh, so I say in, in the interest of judgment, this is a step in the right direction. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, but just just get rid of it altogether. 
you can be brought to justice for a, a heinous crime like this at any time in your life. And, uh, you know, we, we, t- uh, the passage of time should not give um, predators cover. The other um, bill that is being uh, debated right now, brought forth by uh, State Senator Mallory McMorrow, you may remember her. She was the Democratic state senator who really was propelled to national prominence after Republican state legislator Lana Tice sent out this uh, um, fundraising email uh, accusing uh, uh, Senator McMorrow um, of being a a child groomer because uh, Miss McMorrow was for LGBTQ rights, and she was against the Don't Say Gay bill down in Florida. And, of course, this thing blew up in Senator Tice's face because uh, most sane, logical people uh, realize that uh, just because you um, support gay rights and just because you think that that law down in Florida is crazy and draconian, (laughs) it it by no means makes you a child groomer. So essentially what happened is Lana Tice was shamed publicly, which she should have been, and uh, Mallory McMorrow became a star, a rising star in the Democrat Party. Um, She introduced a bill um, to outlaw mental health professionals from administering gay conversion therapy. And uh, I, I don't know what there is to say about this bill. It should be a slam dunk. should be a slam dunk pass. Um, you know, the Republicans are always pointing the finger at the gay community, saying that they shouldn't be indoctrinating or grooming kids. But that, that's exactly what gay conversion therapy is. I mean, I, 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 it's stupid that I have to come on the record and say this, but... Uh, Nobody should be forcing a straight kid to be gay, and nobody should be forcing a gay kid to be straight. The uh, Ron DeSantis passed all this legislation called uh, the Let Kids Be Kids Act, and I agree. Let kids be kids. Um, if if uh, you know if you're trying to make a child, if you're trying to hammer him or her into a mold of something that they're not, especially when it comes to something so sensitive and personal as as sexual orientation all you're going to do is mess that kid up so um and like i said i mean that's such an obvious take i feel stupid even bringing it up on on the podcast because you're listening yeah no crap that's exactly why did this uh, what what a what a brave and accurate statement this guy's making so um Kudos to the state legislature on both those bills. I hope they both pass with flying colors and uh, more so for the people who vote no on it. I hope their names are publicized and that we remember who these people were and who voted no.